0: hello everybody and welcome to another e5 podcast thank you very much for joining us wherever you are and today it's me paul meanan and who have i got with me i think i've got my my pretty common uh podcast hubby you won't um, you... you won't unlock
1: the door, I can't leave. Yes, I can't. Yeah.
0: I've got, got Dave's shed under Hello. an automatic lock. And we enjoyed our last podcast so much um, we thought we'd bring back um, the other part of um, this debate and introduce yourself. Who are you today?
2: Hello chaps. My name's Lee Ward and I'm from Pure Electric in Dorset and hopefully with a good internet connection.
0: It's Lee Ward from Dorset, not uh, of pure electric not um adrian davey the kitchen fitter but who masqueraded as pure electric just just to be clear hello adrian <laughs> if you're listening kitchen um <clears throat> anyway sorry um no he's a sweet isn't he? he's a bloody good teacher now as well um yes. right so in this podcast adrian we we kind of we we really enjoyed talking to you about uh consumer system did i call you adrian is this is what happens every adrian. time i think about that man i am so sorry I won't edit it. How out. dare you? You're gonna
1: have to take. How dare you? The wall. You're looking at him too much.
0: I've got. <laughs> I, he sent me a signed photo saying, "Thinking of you." um Sorry so about that. Don't worry.
2: I'll, I'll take that one. <laughs> hey,
0: this is what we've always said about the Pure Electrics. It's always, is it's always Adrian or Lee or Lee or Adrian.
1: Well, stop calling him Pure Electric. Just call him. Sorry.
0: Lee. Yeah, Lee. All right. Yeah, Pure <laughs> Electrics dead to me. Well, not that no. one, but you know what I mean. Anyway. um Moving forward, we enjoyed our last talk. We talked about CPSs, Local Authority Building Controls, Part P, but we kind of teased third-party certification. So I thought we'd pick up there on third-party certification because um, a lot of people in our industry have a lot of views on it. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a confession which will probably enrage you because I'm a client at the moment, and I had an electrical contractor do some work on a building off of one of my stations, and the work was pants and they, for some weird reason, did not give a certificate. Amazing, isn't it, really, on railways that can happen, but it can. And I ended up having to get my incumbent maintenance contractor to go in and do a th- effectively what you would call third-party certification. However, what I made them do was a full 100% all-access all, all access EICR. And once they were satisfied and we reviewed it, I then instructed them to do remedial works to ensure it was in line with regulations. Because it turned out the principal contractor didn't use a very good electrical contractor. Mm. So it worked for me as a client. However, there is another side to this coin. Um, Mr. Lee Ward, over to you. What's your, what's your experience, thoughts and views on third-party certification?
2: Um, in short, I... Fundamentally, I, I really don't agree with it. It doesn't sit comfortably with me at all. And I guess that's due to the way I was always trained in that as a responsible, diligent electrician, um, you should only take responsibility for the work that you yourself have designed, constructed, inspected, and tested. Um, you know, you're responsible for your own actions, for your for your own work. I agree. To, to go down the road of, Taking responsibility and liability for anybody else's work under any other scenario it just does not sit comfortably with me personally. Um, other people are okay with it, and you know that's that's absolutely their prerogative. Um, obviously, the whole third-party certification thing was introduced into the Part P um, setup, if you like, of Approved Document P, which was basically giving people another option of trying to comply with a process which, by some people, um, by some people's opinions, is a, a broken system already anyway. So this just kind of muddies the water even further. So you've now got a situation of third-party certification, which, by the way, is only, to my knowledge, endorsed and supported by two of the competent person scheme providers. It's not something that is supported by all of them. Um, and it's, it's, but it does happen again, in all of them.
0: It does happen in all of them. Uh, I, they, I know, I know. Some of the CPSs say they won't allow it, but some of the CPSs contractors have openly said that they do it.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, my, this, my this, contractor this is, is, is,
0: yeah. is registered, does, and yet, I mean, uh, let me let me just take you back to my scenario. So, do you? My scenario as a client, I had no alternative option. I had to have everything checked. I mean, luckily, because I think I've got a brain, and you tell me if you disagree with me, um, the 100% EICR was essential to understand what remedial works we needed to do. And my contractor, we ended up ripping out a lot of the work and redoing it and reconfiguring it and ensuring the right protection was on it. And I, at the end of it, was 100% happy that I now had a very fit, safe and compliant job Although I didn't have an electrical installation certificate for all of it, I had a mixture of an EIC and an electrical okay. installation, which was a bit of a pain. But yeah.
2: yeah. So that, that's where the differences are, though, Paul, because you're talking about yeah. two two separate documents. One, you're talking about an EICR, which is a report, not a certificate.
0: Yes, agree. And then on the other sorry, hand, clear. you're talking
2: about a third-party electrical certification, which is a totally different document. So, oh, sorry, mate. Oh, in, one, okay. in, in, <clears throat> in one hand... You've got a reporting procedure where you're reporting by assessment through inspection and testing of electrical works that you have not necessarily undertaken on a pre-existing electrical installation. So that's the reporting process. The third-party certification process is actual certification. So you're issuing a certificate for somebody Uh, else's work.
0: So so like an assurance type over, over, yeah, it's like a compliance declaration, isn't it, certificate? Well, so it's not an it, ICR. It, it's a, uh, yeah, you're done, absolutely. it's good enough.
2: Yeah, it's 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 not a report, it's literally certification for work carried out get by some you know, yeah. yeah. It, I guess the, doesn't sit well with me.
1: The, tr- the trouble is in the translation, um, because this kind of cheats Chapter 64, because Chapter 64 requires initial verification to be carried out during the erection. Now, Part P states that... The non registered competent person can appoint the registered part, the third party certifier prior to the work starting, but they actually have to start the notification of the third party within five days of completion. So you can technically tell a guy ahead of the job, but the guy can turn up five up within five days of it being done. So the during erection part. From chapter, well, one, that, from chapter that, 64 that... isn't in there. Hmm.
2: This is where it can't be policed by the competent person scheme providers, in my opinion, because to, to do this properly, not only is it third party certification, but this is an official channel, an official route, which has been endorsed and approved by approved document P and two of the competent person scheme providers, whereby providing you sign up to this particular service level, if you like, of third party certification, you have a route of signing off somebody else's work. And the the big issue here for me is that to do this correctly, you have to be present on that job before, during and after, three Mm -hmm. stages. Mm -hmm. You can't just come in at the end of the job when it's already been energized, when it's already live, you know because it was completed a week ago and all of a sudden the homeowner or the electrician's thinking oh god what do i do now i need to get somebody to come in and sign it off which is where the whole part p system then is open to abuse again we now have a system of third-party certification where providing you've got that facility within your cps membership you could kind of go to that job and charge the person for your services of doing a third-party certificate even though you've not been there before during and after and To my understanding, and I may be wrong, I don't think there's an actual system in place which is robust enough to prove whether somebody was on the job before, during and after. But it begs the question, if I had a client or a homeowner or another electrician or whoever say, oh Lee, you know, we're we're doing an electrical job and we'd like to employ you to be our third party certifier, which means you've got to come onto the job before, during and after, I'd be thinking, do you know what? When you look at the time and effort involved in this particular procedure, why cheap. don't you just get somebody who can do the job it's properly? Cheap, isn't it? It.
1: Yeah. We see it's got written good point under 3.6 in part P in the note it says the electrical installation condition report should be the model. So electrical installation condition report is used to then forward the acceptance to then provide certification. If we were to swap that out for an EIC. Then to comply with BS seven six seven one, you have to be there during. So if they hang just change minute. that document, then you'll be all right.
0: Hang on a second, Dave. Are you reading from the standard? I'm reading for part P. You saddo. That's my job. I'm supposed to be one reading. Well, you know, I you know.
1: see you're looking at the In a bit fairness, funny, I've buddy. actually
0: got it on my screen as well. No, it's good. No, that's no, all good. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that no, it says it in 3.6. It says within five days of completion. I of agree work. with you,
0: Lee. There's, there's, it's it's mad. It's almost like the expensive solution would help, but who would want to go for the expensive solution when you can just get a properly competent... Yeah.
2: It's, it's easily I mean, corruptible.
0: I, yeah, I, I is, think isn't the, it? And it's manipulated. That's the problem.
2: Yeah, the only scenario I can think of here where it may be relevant, but I, I just don't see the point of it in the first place, to be honest. And in natural fact, when I've discussed this with um, a cps they've actually told me well the uptake on this particular service is so low anyway it's kind of irrelevant anyway and i think well why endorse it then why provide it why support it because i think a lot of i mean i don't know We're I, to it's, it's
0: worth it's worth noting for those listening who who may be listening and going who is this lee ward chap to be actually telling us all this sort of stuff um it, it's worth noting because we in e5 have known lee for uh, a a long number of years now and it's worth letting the the listening audience know you have actually engaged directly with the major cps's with the chief execs with the technical directors you have had direct conversations and engagement on a one-to-one where you have voiced concern and frustrations um, with the safety and quality of electrical work but only in the interest of public safety and your very experienced role as the LABC consultant assessor uh, whatever role you want to say so you have a very informed perspective on this more than I do so I have you you are probably the most informed guy on this view on this podcast period because my domestic experience is is so minimal compared to and old Um, you know my domestic experience is all pre part p and The odd job now and again, as you know, love jobs as we call them, or neighbor rewires and stuff like that, or my own home. But you have far more diligent and informed knowledge on this, and it's worth letting the listeners know that just because I, you know, sometimes I listen to podcasts and I ask questions and think random things along the way. But anyway,
2: yeah, okay, thank you. Yeah, I mean, we've all got our own expertise in our own different fields, haven't we? And um, it's all about kind of sharing knowledge and helping each other um learning from each other and but, that's one of the Lee, great things about stuff we do fair online to say you didn't get
0: very far with the cps's though because yeah, we spoke about this off, offline obviously but it's fair to say from from my perspective um as someone uh, as an industry colleague for many years now you've done a really good job in speaking to cps's but the engagement just just wasn't there really there really mm. i don't know whether there was the appetite or will mm. for them to do well
2: yeah i mean i've kind of had similar responses i guess that's the polite way of putting it um i i don't like to use the term lip service but i i tend to hear the same um the same things in return so when questions are asked in a constructive manner to at least Address and raise concerns and realize the challenges the industry has and again, you know with everything that I do and that I've ever done It's I'm only talking on behalf of myself with regards to my own personal opinions and my own experiences I'm I'm not interested in kind of speaking on behalf of anyone else Um, I just so happen to be a one-man band spark who's you know proud of his job proud of his industry and someone who thinks that we need to see I would say quite drastic improvements to our industry and not forgetting if those improvements come it's to the benefit of everyone and I'm not trying to you know represent anyone here but if if industry improves everybody wins because hopefully standards of work will increase consumers will receive a better standard of work Uh, wage rates will increase as well as because standards are improving because we're all aware of you know, the, the varying different levels of standards, but also wages within the industry.
0: I think it's worth noting as well for anyone listening. Um, Lee, was it the November edition of Pro Electrician where there was an article um, where you were sat down and interviewed by the guys at PE and there was quite an insightful article about what you would do and you know, your two pence worth on the industry, um, and that's the thing with yeah. this podcast. I think everybody has a voice, and everybody's got the right to have their voice. I mean, you—you you said you very kindly used the word lip service. So I used the term fobbed off, um, but in London, they have a great term called "don't make me off like a two bob bit," which. Um, is probably a bit more of a cruder term and loads of people listening again. What the hell did he just say? Um, I'll just say, figure it out for yourself. But um, yeah, I I mean, me me and you spoke quite a lot when you were going through your engagement with the CPSs and it was saddening that they, whilst they would pay you the uh, engagement, the outcome wasn't there because maybe the systems and processes weren't there and you were so well informed they couldn't fob you off and they couldn't introduce new processes in time to do anything. So in that fact, they actually became inert, completely pointless.
1: I think I think from, from our experience as well, though, some of these organizations, they kind of sometimes feel that actually giving us their attention to sit down and listen to us is all they need to do and all that they oh. owe us, the opportunity for us to open up, listen, uh, but not really do anything with what yeah. we say uh okay so so we can we can we can talk in the background they go oh okay right okay we'll sit we'll listen say stuff and then nothing happens and then that's it you had your opportunity we (laughs) listened and that's it nothing's nothing's moving forward with that Mm.
2: and i think i think that's quite scary for two reasons number one because um i I think out of common decency and respect i mean not forgetting at the end of the day i'm a client i'm a customer of these people um you know i've paid a lot of money into these competent person schemes and and everyone we've spoken about tonight I actually pay into them you know I'm supporting them I'm I'm a paying customer I mean I was of check trade in the in the previous podcast but you know which trusted traders and all the rest of them you know I as a business I work hard so that I can pay these guys to do a job for me and not forgetting that what I've said to you know a, a few people online recently where they talk about competent person schemes is that you know these electricians they're they're good at their job because they trained because they qualified because they're experienced they're not good because they've been given a logo they're good because they have pride in their work and when you have passionate electricians in this industry that want to do the best they can but yet they're seeing a very unfair playing field here where we've got such varying standards of work that yet when we go to talk to the competent person schemes who we employ to be the gatekeepers of our industry, to maintain standards, and in fact, raise standards, when we see that maybe not happening, it's only right that passionate electricians should be able to voice their concerns, and also their frustrations. And that's not a negative thing, because I no. think that to see the negative, you've got to see the positive. And if, if we find ourselves banging our heads against brick walls when we talk to these CEOs of these big organizations, who feel that they're, you know, simply doing enough by having a coffee with me. Unfortunately, no, that's not enough. I, You know, it's like MPs that aren't going down politics, but it's like MPs, you know, sometimes when they speak to us in a, um, a derogatory way that they feel that they're doing us some sort of service already by talking to us in the first place, but... I'm a believer in actions speak louder than words and I've been banging my head against a brick wall for quite a few years, as you, as you said, Paul. Um, And, you know, as a, as a one man band electrician, there's only so much I can do. And, you know, I've tried to do things in the most effective, productive way, but unfortunately I think we also have some challenges in the industry where there are certain things that are, overriding the importance of these changes that are needed in industry and I think the priorities are are maybe not in the right order that's probably the polite way of putting it.
0: If you don't mind me chipping in here I think it, there's some wise words you've just said there and and I, and I always say to people um, whoever you're registered with you're their client they work for you yeah okay you've got to go through their hoops to become registered with a CPS but at the end of the day if you're paying them money for a service they work for you. And that and any relationship has to be symbiotic. Now, the one thing I found with the electrical industry, and this is the hardest thing of all, and this is where you look at like the likes of the rank and file uh, and various other groups and organizations that try to make noise in the industry is it's with I'm a firm believer in karma, yin and yang and all that. And the one thing the industry and it really annoys me when people say, oh, if you if you if you show or say something negative, you've got to say something positive reality check industry. There is far more negatives about our industry and our trade than there are positives. We will always seek the positives and we will highlight them. But as there is a reason why Dave is is has been on a crusade to level people up. There is a reason why in in, in the Facebook groups that we have, there is a small community when I say small thousands of people who've taken the effort to act nice and polite and try and share knowledge and be decent it's fairly evident in our trade that hopefully the people who are listening to this are decent honorable who want to learn garner knowledge share their knowledge uh, have a thought piece have a conversation with people who they might actually think yeah they're reasonably intelligent um, there are good things and good people in this industry but there's other things like the race to the bottom and and lee that kind of it takes me on to my next bit unless dave wants to um, do any more you're a small business owner you are the bread and butter the heart and soul of electrical contracting in the uk because you deal with the most important market which is people's homes and people's families um could you maybe tell us a little bit about your business how you operate the, the the positives of doing it the negatives of doing it and any advice you might have for people who want to set up and do it and how you get by
2: Cool, oh, blimey how long have you got <laughs> um, go <laughs> um i mean yeah i mean for my business i mean yeah i you know primarily a lot of work i do is domestic um so you know i class myself as a domestic installer You're um, on that which, I'm, which i'm proud okay. of yep Yeah, Uh, yeah, one-man band. Um, I mean, I do do also um, some commercial work. I do some industrial work. Um, I also do some agricultural work. I also have been known to do some marine electrical work on uh, super yachts. So that's an interesting one. I have um, a bit of an experience of doing testing and installation work on Sunseeker Super Yachts, Mm -hmm. uh, which is quite a large um, shipbuilding company uh, based in Poole. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so I, I kind of, yeah, predominantly domestic, but, you know, I also do that. I do a lot of EICR work um, on thatched properties as well as, um, and, and as you know, I do sort of my consultancy work um, for building control, which is kind of like assessing work that's been carried out, but also assessing work that's been carried out by electricians that are coming through the Part P process, because it's the chicken and egg of how do you do the job if you can't notify it in the first place? Um so yeah, small business, um, yeah, I've been going now uh, 13 years um, as uh, as my own business. I've had a, a couple of uh, apprentices over the years, um, which I'm quite proud of. Um, and yeah, I've, I've had a couple of subcontractors over the years that I've employed on a temporary basis on different projects. Uh, prior to that, I worked for a, a few different electrical contracting firms, um, so in total been in the industry around 20 years so I did my apprenticeship 20 years ago um but in terms of my small business which i think is where you wanted to go um it it's it's a very challenging but rewarding um job if you like um because you know when you're self employed you know you're um you're, you're in control and a lot of people say that you have freedom um and because of that it's uh, it, you know it must be Amazing, but I think with all jobs, whether and you know, I'm quite fortunate. I've had um, jobs on the cards for electrical contracting companies, working both um, locally to myself and also working away all over the UK. Actually, so I've kind of experienced both scenarios, and there are absolutely pros and cons with both scenarios. Whether you're self-employed as a one-man band, um, or whether you work for a company as an electrician and or an approved electrician, or even a qualified supervisor. Um, I think it comes down to your own personal commitments, your own family arrangement um, and also what you want to do with your career as to which one's best for you. I think it does take a certain type of character and person to be self-employed because you absolutely have to be self-motivated, you have to be determined, um, you, you know, you've know, you got to have a, a lot of get up and go and also you've got to have a lot of patience, um, you've got to care about the job you do and you know, I don't want to sound like I'm lecturing here but I think that these are all qualities that I think um any person of any trade needs to have when they're setting up on their own. I mean, I set up thirteen years ago with I think I had something like four hundred quid in the bank and I had a beaten up old transit van, rusty XBT engineers van, which was falling apart. And I had about I gave up a job and I had about four days work ahead of me the following week. And I remember speaking to my employer at the time, who's an electrical contractor, who I really liked actually, to be fair, but phoned him up and I just said, Look, I'm really sorry, but I'm I'm going to take the jump and I'm going on my own. And, you know, they spent sort of two and a half hours that evening trying to talk me out of it. And I said, no, if I crash and burn, at least I've tried, you know, I'm going to give it a go. And um, yeah, I kind of haven't looked back. I mean, it has been challenging the first, I think the first six months of me being self-employed, I actually had a kitchen fitting company in Therum Um, not pay me for several jobs and you know within the first few months of being self-employed and being well obviously younger than I am now with kids in the mortgage which I still have of course um, I I was in a financial situation where I was owed I don't know about three or four thousand pounds Um, hell of a lot of money Um, Mm. but I went through the heartache and the stress and the correct channels of going through the correct procedures and I, I got every penny back with interest with all the fees added on top but that taught me a lot of lessons in terms of the way i run my business the way i um, quote jobs the way i do stage payments um and yeah you do learn lots over the years um but being self-employed is a lonely place as well and I've, I've kind of said it on social media recently that i think you know for for all the good and bad associated with social media is that for self-employed electricians or and any trade and any people actually it's a really good outlet to to talk to other people, um, you know, mm. what regardless of what it is, it could be about the weather, it could be work, it could be you could be having a debate about regulations. It's just really nice to have an outlet because when you're driving around in your van all day or you're going to your jobs and yes, you might have some customers that are really friendly and you can have good conversations with, but equally you'll have some customers that just literally leave you to it. <laughs> all day long mm. on your own you know and it and it's a very difficult place and i think twitter for example um is a really good outlet where you know i've made some really good friends um on the platform um there's some really good people out there that support me um, and each other both professionally and personally um so if they are listening i just want to send out my my thanks in that regard actually because um it it does mean a lot i think so being self-employed has its own challenges but i at the moment i'm kind of happy where i am with my business um i'm not aspiring to be anything great i'm not wanting to take on guys and take on the world and you you,
0: know you're not going to set up your own youtube channel (laughs)
2: um i don't have the time Paul, because uh and i you you know fair play to the guys who do do it but i don't think i'm uh, I, I don't think I have the time for it. I don't think I have the patience for it, if I'm honest. And um, I certainly don't have good looks for it either. So I'll leave that to that. somebody else. <laughs> Do you know um, what? Actually, just just, yeah. just on YouTube quickly, I think in a,
0: in a previous podcast, I probably need to set the record straight, actually just taking a quick break on this. So in one of our podcasts, we were talking about YouTubers. And I think I made a comment about um, if uh, there were some of them that were atrocious and that were weren't very good at all and i think that probably rocked a few boats which i apologize for did and, you receive um, some messages paul i received some messages and i had some <laughs> very good phone calls with people who i respect the hell out of them for ring me up and going when well, you're talking about me and of course doing these podcasts sometimes it's like 11 odd o'clock you can be a bit flippant and casual with the language um at the end of the day and um i think i said if oh, i'm not going to mention names i've got if i've got nothing good to say i won't say it so just for the avoidance of doubt and clarity um, the likes of uh, Nick Bundy and CJR and loads and loads of other YouTubers, they're not the problem. I just want to be very, very clear here. There is a couple who are not very well known who are doing YouTube who are very poor and should not be filming. And, um, and that's my personal view. Um, they should not be putting stuff out. But um, all of the guys, David Savory is the comedian in the industry. Everybody's got something to give to the table, and they're not—they're not shite. Jordan of Artisan, all of that lot—they're not the bad ones. And I think a lot of them mm. probably think we think they're shite. Yeah, I, I, I
1: think I think it's worth saying if we don't say your name, doesn't mean we hate you. I think that's, that's what you're trying. We just
0: can't remember all of them, can we? Yeah, we can't. In all fairness, <laughs> we can't because we just yeah. there's too much like CJR um i'm i know i'm forgetting some of them i know yeah you are is, I'm, I'm not looking at the so... list sorry. no i'm not either it's it's very late but um just oh. we just wanted to interject and clarify that so because uh we have had messages from people when they're alone in somebody's houses um that they actually do listen to this so um Thanks for listening to your weirdos, and um, I guess, I can't I guess, sing any songs. So I
1: guess we can kind of us. we can kind of link that in because Lisa just talked about working for yourself and stuff, and I guess YouTube has also kind of helped a little bit with some electricians who may work on their
0: own. In fairness, there are some, some of social them,
1: interactions with I that. I mean,
0: I mean, the, the GS. Uh, in all fairness, um, yeah. um, I met a lot of self-employed electricians. And I remember talking to some of them, and I, I tell you what, this is a weird story. So I, I remember um, I went to the Spurs stadium, and I could hear GSH's music <laughs> in the canteen, and there was two blokes watching Gary Hayes um, on his brilliant SY gland uh, video, where he was actually saying, "If you're using SY Flex, this is the proper gland. This is how you do it, and don't use a plastic stuffing gland, you moron, sort of stuff." And um, that was, and I remember meeting Gary soon after that, going well I heard you (laughs) how (laughs) weird is this that there are people at the Tottenham Stadium watching your videos and he was quite he was overwhelmed he was quite humbled by it but and and that's when I realized that social media could be an incredibly powerful tool because I'll be honest with you I'm so rusty I sit and I look at some of the installations that you do Lee and other guys and the quality of work you do with how you take your cables out you sleeve them you protect them you gland them you terminate them and I just think I'm going to do it like that, because you just forget you're not using the material every day, so all this new tech that comes out, it's it's not, uh-huh. you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I think that um, I think the only advice, not that I'm here to give advice, of course, but I'm just kind of speaking out loud, I guess. Um, I think my only concern when people go self-employed is when they go from literally from training to, to being kind of qualified then going straight on their own um I, th- I think that i think that people would benefit from you know not only with their training for their qualifications but sticking with some form of electrician approved contractor to gain a few more years experience because you know we're, we're all always learning all the time you know i mean i You know, without sounding cheesy, I do try to learn something new Mm -hmm. every day where possible. Um, But I I think my concern is that I'm seeing a lot. I'm seeing some, should we say, electricians coming through the different channels that we have available now and then just jumping straight into the self-employed route and going on their own. And that is a little bit concerning because I am of the believer that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And it's it's not for, it's not for us as electricians to be practicing or experimenting on their own homes whilst we're learning our way to competence. I think that gaining several years of experience and training is is really quite important.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, without actually having any accurate data, you've probably just described about eighty, maybe eighty five percent of the amount of people on these rapid training routes, trying to career change, trying to change their lives, trying to get out of their jobs get out of their ruts Um, and a lot of the times they go to a training place that doesn't offer the opportunity to develop to you know I remember my apprenticeship my family firm so I worked with my dad and my granddad and when it came to things like MI or boards whatever if there's any time available my granddad would put me to work and I'd put stuff on the wall and I'd do all the containment I'd do all of that stuff and then if it was done well he'll come and look at it before lunchtime he'll go right Rip that off. Go get some rolls and do it again this afternoon. So he keep getting me to repeat and repeat and to repeat to develop the the actual hand skills. And a lot of these guys going through training now, there's no time for that. So I've had people. Oh. I, I I have people message me all of the time, Lee. And I had a guy message me. I think I, I shared this with Paul once. He oh. sent a picture of twin of um, still armor cable, and that was the training. There was no actual physical termination of the still armor cable. And mm-hmm. he was qualified, and he was author, and he went through all of the routes, and he was authorized into industry. And this is the problem: people, the industry has opened a door, and it's in everyone's right. As Paul will always say, everyone has the right to earn a living, and it's everyone, everyone's right to go through a door that's been opened by the industry. Um, what happens is a lot of them, uh, a lot of the ones that we know, like uh, Karen. Uh, she's electric She she came through a shorter course training route But as soon as she came to the output Of that training She assessed her own competence She was like I'm not ready and So she jumped on board with another electrician And got a couple of years of experience hmm. um, Many won't do that Many uh, will yeah. just go They're in that position They've got the badge They're going to go out and earn the money um, And you're right They are performing for the first time in people's houses oh, we've man. seen the data we've seen the increases in fires we saw the the main culprits of those was workmanship and panels. Uh, yeah see so, right. so, so, yeah,
2: i mean with the with the article that uh, went into professional electrician that paul referred to back in november I, I you know when we're talking about standards of work across the industry i kind of try to make it clear that You know, questionable work isn't restricted to one particular demographic. And we all know that, you know, for every electrician that's come through one route that does a bad job, you can find one who's time served and been around for many years who will equally do a bad job. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I think I think when we're looking at sort of training generally and where you said about the door being opened into the industry, I would kind of say that the floodgates have been opened rather than the door being opened. And that we unfortunately have a situation where I actually, you know, I'm the same. I, I will actually, you know, f- fully support anybody who's coming into the industry. You know, I I personally, you know, I'm not ashamed to say, you know, I, I'm happy to help. You know, I give people my time. You know, I get people messaging me, phoning me. And I'm happy to help because people have helped me over the years. You know, I mean, Paul's helped me with various things and it's all about trying to help each other. So I'm all for people changing career. I'm all for people learning new skills and professions and developing themselves. And, you know, that's all admirable and fully support it. But I think when we look at the technical profession that we have, you know, the public and industry have a right to at least expect a minimum level of technical competence and I was always taught that you need to have the the technical underpinning knowledge and the practical experience in order to perform your job to the correct standard and I think that it's all well and good to learn a subject in a classroom over a short period of time but what you learn on site in the real world with other electricians and electrical contractors. I mean, that is absolutely invaluable. And I'm, I actually feel that sometimes some of these people that are coming through the industry through these short courses, I kind of feel for them because they're kind of being sold or missold a dream, if you like. Because
0: yeah, They are. They're being misled completely. The, the short course um, options into our industry are, in my professional opinion, I think they are, are absolutely wrong. I think they're horrendous. I don't think they look after public safety. The trouble is, is we have been stuck with them for too long. And as you're right, I think they've opened the floodgates. I have a lot of respect for people, as Dave has uh, alluded to, who have done a load of training under good faith because they didn't know any better and have then gone, been authorised to work in industry and have said, I can't, I need to go and seek um, more training experience working under. I mean, we had a guy the other day message us, 40 years old, new learner, short course, he was willing to work for free just to get some experience. There are there are some really good people in our industry and coming into our industry who who are fully aware that the fact that you need to apply this knowledge over a period of time so it becomes the norm. It's like bending oh. conduit. You asked me to bend conduit there'll be an elephant's graveyard I won't be able to do it If you give me two or three days with a vice and bender and a couple of bundles to conduit I will be able to do double bubble sets back-to-back bends swan necks the whole lot but I will have to go and brush up and practice 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 it's like muscle memory you've just got to you've just got to get the knack and and when you're training in an in, in industry where you can't see it, you can't smell it and you most certainly can't hear it until it's too late it's really dangerous so you need to apply that knowledge over time and that's essential. <sighs>
2: Do you not find though that these um these these courses are because I genuinely think that they are partly unfair to the people that take them, because I mean
0: they should be bad sometimes
2: because sometimes the people that are taking them are are fairly naive to the situation where they believe what they read and they think that they can actually earn the profession of an electrician in such a time frame if they spend such amount of money. And the problem with that is that they then send their C V to someone like me or an electrical contractor or whoever Mm -hmm. And they're like, you know, oh, you know, have you got any jobs available? And they're expecting the job of a qualified electrician. And then when they demonstrate the qualifications that they've got, of which some of them I don't even recognize, it makes me wonder whether industry actually recognizes these domestic installer qualifications. And scarily enough, if these people do get to the stage of interview and then they do get offered a job, can you imagine when they turn up on site? And then they're exposed to the reality of what is expected of them. But
1: they've not
2: been taught that in the classroom, have they?
1: Going, going back briefly to then come to this point earlier on, when you um, you said that you know that the CPS are our customer kind of thing. Okay, mm. I use the same example with training. All of the organizations that want to sell training, you know, people, they they need products and they always will be adjustments of products. And it's the same with the likes of the, who we would consider to be the quality controllers of training, like the city and guilds. They still want enrollments. I had a big debate with the guilds because I'm a, I'm a qualification consultant with them for a couple of qualifications about the 18th edition, the opportunity to improve from the old 17th edition. They didn't touch it. They just carried on as before. Uh, so they don't, you know, they don't try to improve the qualifications. Instead, we see the opposite. So we see, you know, the way the 2391 has been adjusted to be more uh, approachable. I've got a learner this week. He's he's actually about to do his practical for the 2391. He's passed his theory for the 2391. He's uh, written for the 2391. But he actually told me he was given a mock paper two days before the exam. And it was word for word every question. But the questions mm-hmm. were given in a different order. Now, when exam yeah. centres run the 2391, they get the question exam papers in a, in a magic uh, grey envelope, which they're not supposed to open until before the exam. So all the centres agree to that kind of code of ethics. But city guilds have to get those question papers out there. So the fact that he was given a mock two days ahead of the exam sitting, which was literally word for word with the questions, but in a different order just shows you the objectives. And we have training companies where they are quality controlled and the quality of control looks at success. It looks at achievement. So it's in the mind's eye of every training organisation to focus on assessment, to focus on achievement. And we're losing training. We're losing training in that process. This is where,
2: though, the situation comes across all of industry and I think colleges as well as private training providers are guilty of this I I feel that electricians coming through are being trained to pass they're not being trained to learn and I I find that scary because again with the the technical underpinning knowledge that electricians you know should have in order to do their job um, I find it scary that it seems to be a case of it's all about doing mock papers, mock papers, and, and almost learning to pass rather yeah. than learning the subject to, uh,
1: yeah. to become I, um, an
2: electrician. I find that scary.
1: Here's a, here's a little case study. Um, last year, I was doing some contract work as a subcontractor for a Northeast-based training company, and they wanted me to deliver the 18th edition. So I gave them my price, and I gave them my costs, and they brought me in. They, um, I went and off and I did exclusive training for one of their clients, um, a American company, CBRE. But to make sure I was good enough, I had to go in and observe their principal trainer during a delivery of the 18th edition. I was like, okay. I went on the second day about lunchtime. So for me, I'm around about chapter 41 going into chapter 42 in the afternoon. I'm grinding through the protection against uh, protection for safety, protection against electric shock through those protective measures. When I arrived there, he'd finished the whole course and the learners were in one practice exam already. And I was like, what happens after lunch? Another practice exam. Then another practice exam. What about tomorrow? Well, they'll do the EAL official practice exam, which is a software based one. The EAL even provide for the training company. Then two more practice exams.
2: I was like, well, I don't work that
1: way. I can't do that. I'll do it my way. uh, And if you're happy with it, we'll see. So I went off and I delivered four or five courses for this client. And what happened, unfortunately, is that other trainers were also training for the client. And so what happened is I delivered training down at NEC and down at PayPal's offices or CBRE. And so I went in and I trained a load of lads. And then another one of this company's guys went in and trained another load of lads with their method. And of course, those lads then met up and go, "Oh, what did you think about this? What did you think about that?" And they go, "We didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about that. We just practice exams." So they then complained, and I'm the one who was the problem. So I got kicked off their books. Wow. I got kicked off as a supplier because I was
0: yeah. doing too much of a job.
1: Yeah, yeah it's well, all we... about passing exams.
2: Yeah, and that's, that's become a, that's an evident. Shame.
0: Sorry, sorry, Lee Kemp. Please go on.
2: Yeah, sorry, I was just going to touch on the 2391 as well that you mentioned earlier. Um, I mean, we've seen the, you know, I was chatting to somebody about it the other day, that, you know, the the traditional 2391 from years ago, and I'm only talking, say, 15 years ago, um, where you had a three-hour sort of written exam, where I think from memory, it it was almost like the first two hours you had, like, I don't know, something like 20 questions to answer and then the last hour you had almost like one or two really big questions it was a big scenario Yeah, the b section yeah yeah, and it was it was a proper written exam and obviously had the practical exam on the side of it as well but that's when in you know that that's when the 2391 was the proper inspection and testing qualification whereas now i believe correct me if i'm wrong just another example of things being kind of diluted or watered down now, you yes, you have the practical side of it, but now you have a multiple choice or multiple guess, as I call it, mm-hmm. exam, mm-hmm. whereby you only need to achieve 60% pass rate, I believe.
1: Yes, and there is pre-written exam, there's, which is fewer questions, which is a pre-written set of questions, which basically I have access to on my machine here through the wall garden platform, which means they don't get changed between one session and the other, which means I can prepare learners to pass
2: So how are industry standards going to improve when we change the exam procedures in that way and then just go on to multiple choice?
1: Improvement in education
2: is pass rates. Improvement in
1: education is pass rates. That's education improvement. It's up to the industry to assess the outputs of training. We don't have any way in this industry or any person in this industry assessing the outputs of training. Now immediately in my head I'm thinking of maybe JTL as probably one of the people should be most suitable to do that. But there's no organization that actually looks at the overall outputs of training.
2: So am I would I be fair in saying that this is more about quantity rather than quality?
1: It's about enrollment. If I make an assessment passable, more people will enroll on it. If I get people to enroll on it, I get an enrollment fee yeah
0: so yeah okay i think it's inevitable Uh that further education colleges and short short course providers are not stupid enough to realize that there is a distinct uh, reduction in funding and skills development and training and yet they are still under pressure to deliver pass rates and results and make their places of uh, educational establishment wherever they are attractive and I find it—I hate it. I absolutely cringe when Sparks turn around and go, "Has anybody got any past papers I can use?" Yeah, I created a community, immediately. I created you're community failing. to
1: avoid that, and they still ask for them in that community.
0: Yeah, and I'll be honest yeah. with you: in, in people, people in write Dave's papers and put them in that community. I am really tempted to just literally block them and ban them out in the group straight away. Because yes, it's hard. Exams are hard. Put the effort into understand it, and just do the damn exam. Don't ask for past papers because so many educational establishments uh, I've been on courses where they've gone, here's a load of past papers, um, and fifty percent of it will be in the exam. And I just sit there and go, but I want the education. I want the knowledge. I don't want the past papers. How am I gonna yeah, I mean... when I'm in when I'm in the shit on on in a house on Friday, I need to apply the knowledge, not remember a past bloody paper. But City and Guilds provide past papers
1: through smart screen. That's where you as a learning training company can pay for it again pay for that material sitting gills through smart screen pay for past
0: papers i'm not past
1: not not past papers practice papers fuck Um, yeah you can pay for you can pay for practice material called on smart screen and eal as i say have a practice exam
0: bloody hell
1: yeah the off call requirements you have you have two terms you have gl guided learning hours and tqt total qualification time and the off call regulated qualification suggests that it should only be four hours of preparation and delivery of assessment for the 18th edition which means you have about 35 or so 34 hours of learning right two hours to prepare which is your little preparation maybe that might be your one mock you're supposed to do which is the smart screen
0: material and then the delivery of the assessment
1: i mean i understand
0: i understand sample questions so you become familiar with the format. And the techniques needed to answer the questions like the online portals. When I did my 18th edition, it had some trial questions to familiarise you and take you step by step through the using of the portal. And then once you were ready, you could then go on and engage with the full exam. But I I just don't see any benefit in past papers. I'm sorry, I never will.
1: The problem is mindset. Learners, all learners want to pass because that's the that's the obstacle. And it's always they're focusing on an exam. We need to try to talk to learners about the advantage of actually learning about what they're going to learn from a training a training journey. Uh, but they've got to be provided with that. And this is what I've seen. I mean, I've got a message on Instagram. A guy sent me a post about half an hour ago on Instagram. And there's a picture here. I'm going to show it to the webcam of a college laptop exam center. And then someone's put a laptop in front of the exam laptop with my 18th edition course oh, yeah. on it. All right. And this is what it says. Okay. I'm gonna read it. I was in college on Monday, and my friend was preparing for his eighteenth edition reset in a few weeks, asked for some tips. He's been struggling because our lecturer has only tried to show him out to pass the exam. I pointed him towards your training and he sat all day engrossed in your content. You and E5 are doing something magical. Unfortunately, his company doesn't invest in essential materials such as the on-site guide, guidance notes three and BS7671. After Jeez. five minutes into your introduction into the regs, he bought all three. And then he's, he's
0: finished it by saying, now that's levelling up. That is levelling up. Wow, that's yeah. fantastic. That is that, brilliant. That's but I'll tell you what, that's like... a lot of electrical contractors because yeah. I'll tell you now, my experience, I've walked into offices and this is the one thing I like about being a client because I can be a bit of a git. Mm-hmm. And I've walked into electrical contractors, officers, gone, where's your books? Every single one of my guys must have their own copy of the site guide. Every single one of my guys is going to have a code breaker. Every single one of my guys are going to have limitless copies of the regs if they so bloody need it. This should not be something that they have to hide about. Or there's one guy in an office somewhere who's got the book. These guys need to have access. And so many electrical contractors um, we know, and we know people who are working with electrical contractors now who are mortified by their behaviors. And And it always sits at directors and the, The sheer greed and arrogance of individuals who run electrical contractors or their inability to adapt and evolve. And um, um, I mean, I was uh, I was at a conference today where we were talking about the fact that um, uh, education is 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 frowned upon in a lot of organisations, including major, major ones that I've worked in, because there is a fear that if you train and develop your staff, they will leave and go somewhere better paid. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. They always bloody will. Because if they're having to do that, you're, ar- you're arsehole. Excuse my language, but
2: mm. is, it, is it not a case that again, I'm not. I can only speak as an electrician myself, but I can't help feeling that our kind of our industry has kind of bought it on ourselves, and it's the mindset we, that yeah. needs to change here in the colleges and training providers who, let's be honest. There is a conflict of interests here because, you know, colleges have um, courses that they need to sell. Training providers live off selling their training courses. They have to live off the success rates that they have yep. through people getting these qualifications. And when I see training providers promoting, oh, you know, we've run an 18th edition update exam today and we had a 100% pass rate and everybody, everybody did amazing. I'm thinking, well... <sighs> Is, is that really saying that our industry is in a good place by right? yeah. every, you know, it's getting over the cracks?
1: Try and find where but I've th- ever tweeted that. You just won't, well, feel, you won't see me saying things like that, because it yeah, means nothing. Oh, it means nothing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that's it. I I see that, and I always go, okay, so, you know, it depends on the the, the principal success of the training of an eighteenth edition course will depend on how that learner feels about the regulations after the course. yeah exam not during the exam if after the course they can then feel that they can design construct or inspect using the regulations and make decisions from that book then it's worked if they are the kind that go oh that's done for three years who wants it on ebay Mm -hmm. yeah i've um... I've kicked people off of my facebook group because they go i passed who wants to buy a book off me yeah, because yeah. yeah. it's, it's. I not, mean, I like it we do.
0: It's. It's also worth noting for the people listening that the Dave's Facebook group is there is more slingings out and blocking and barring than any other Facebook group <laughs> in history, um, and we are incredibly militant about the acceptance criteria. Simple things like, will you be nice and not slander people? Yes or no? And the amount of people who apply to join the group and can't even be asked to tick yes or no is biblical and i'm talking if i go on my on my app now we'll find about 40 people waiting to join dave's group who haven't even answered the question and it's really simple because we just go decline 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 because they won't take the time they're not going to contribute to the group they just won't simples um, we don't want people in our groups that are just going to be negative and not try to do the work and help others do the work and and I, and I, I I see that now more never as well with all the work we've been doing around the country. There's plenty of good, good, honest, decent people, but there is tons of people crying out for help, and I don't see any part of the industry doing anything to help them other than the efforts we're trying to make. And
1: it is strange because we're getting
0: them coming to us more and more.
1: It's as if yeah. there's nowhere. It's as if there's nowhere else, and you kind of think, okay, yeah. where can we send them?
0: And we are swamped every night, every single night this week. We have been doing something, uh, we're helping on the phone to someone talking about their professional registration. Something every night, always every night we're working. It's not unusual for Dave and me to be texting at one, two AM in the morning. Yep. Nothing unusual about this at all. We're both. Um,
1: you're in Italy. I was in Sweden last week. We're still doing this.
0: Well, yeah, we were. <laughs> yeah, we were, were still doing it while we're in different doing countries. This at the still hotel. texting and messaging, and I know it's insane, absolutely insane. Um, but I think. What if if you could give anybody advice starting out wanting to be a one-man band, what would you... So I go to you, Lee, and I say, excuse me, Mr Ward, um, I'm just about to do this course, please don't hate me, um, but I'm doing this course, um, I need to provide a family, I've got a young baby, what would you recommend my career path be? What would you give as a piece of advice to people doing that? What, what would your words of wisdom be to put you on the spot ever so slightly?
2: Um, I, I think... Um, it would be similar to the advice I give my kind of last apprentice who is was uh, sort of uh, you won't blame, you know he won't uh, worry about me calling him a sort of mature type apprentice, you know sort of mid-thirties um, got a mortgage and commitments, you know, and okay. when he first approached me, I, you know, we, we went out for a coffee and we had a good chat and I said, look, you know if, if you're serious about getting into this industry, you, you've got various different groups into it my advice, if you're wanting to make a proper career for yourself, um, you you need to do it in the right way. And I think, personally speaking, the right way is by doing what I class as the proper courses. So you know mm-hmm. your you know your part ones, your part twos, mm-hmm. and you're doing that over three years. Mm-hmm. um And you could be doing one day a week at college, or you could be doing evenings, or w- whatever way it works out. But but by doing your kind of your part one, your part two, your level two, your level three, um, you know, try try to realize that if you want to become a professional in any trade or industry, it, it can't just be given to you. Um, you. You can't just do it in a matter of a five-week course and then watch some YouTube videos and then think you can go out there into Mr. Smith's house and, you know, you know everything. You know, it's kind of scary how much we don't know it's scary how much we're all still learning you know there's I I just think that if you're coming into the industry and if even if your goal is to set up your own business that's great but you've got to give yourself the right amount of time and you've got to invest into the profession that you're wanting to get into and that involves a long-term commitment of doing the correct qualifications over the right time but it also involves and I know this is really really the hardest bit it's very hard trying to get some form of job or training with an electrician or an electrical contractor. I realized that, you know, I went to my local college six months ago and there was, I won't be exaggerating when I think there was about 60 kids there, all of which didn't have apprenticeships, didn't have jobs, but they're there mm-hmm. at college doing these courses mm-hmm. and none of them have a job or an apprenticeship. And that's really sad. Um, but for people in mid career, should we say the more mature guys, you know, I think a realization of needing to do needing to somehow gain on-site experience with an electrician, and not just any electrician, do some due diligence, do some research on people. And I know it's sometimes the case that beggars can't be choosers and getting any experience is all that matters. But I think if you can if you can get the opportunity to do the right courses and to get the right experience, as long as you put the effort in, and as I said to my guy, he said, well, my goal is to be fully qualified in three years. And I said, no such thing. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, there's no such thing as being fully qualified, in my opinion. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> because because we – and I know this sounds cheesy again, but I'll, I'll, I'll say it anyway. We are all always learning, and nobody knows everything. And there's things that I'm learning off other guys all the time via Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever – we're all always learning, and you are never fully qualified. And I said to him, You need to get that out of your head. I said, First of all, being qualified at, at the entry level, as I would call it, is going to take longer than three years anyway. So you've got to do your three years, then you've got to do your AM1, your AM2, then you've got to do your 2391s or whatever the equivalent is now. And then when you've got your benchmark qualifications, you're then practicing as an electrician, still under supervision, still learning. And then after a period of a few years doing it that way, in my mindset, I would then class you as an electrician proper. Mm-hmm. But this this whole thing about being fully qualified frustrates me, because why are we setting a maximum in our industry whereby you, you've reached your peak now, you can give up? Because that's what stops people doing CPD, because people think yeah. they reach a me- benchmark where they don't need to do anything else. CPD is something that should be not enforced is the wrong word here, but CPD is something that should be introduced as part of your affiliation with your competent person schemes, for example. And I know they require you to do the very basics in terms of keeping, keeping up with the additions of the regulations, but that's a prerequisite. That's a given anyway. But in terms of learning other things, such as new technologies, such as electric vehicle charging, for example, doing the CBD on top means that you're constantly evolving means you're always learning it means you'll never be fully qualified and i'm not fully qualified i I wouldn't class anybody as fully qualified it's all about cpd
0: so um do you know what i've actually referred myself uh, as fully qualified but after listening to that bombshell i agree with you there's no such thing as fully qualified it's that he, cool. He's just—he's just basically just, uh, talked through
1: everything I covered in my JIB video, where I talked about the JIB card being used as a point of completion of a training journey. It's not a where, stage gate. Yeah, well, it's a point of completion with the end point assessment. That's what we now call it: end point assessment. But we—we said and that I, the GIB I said,
0: card isn't the end.
1: Yeah, but again, two years ago in that video, and I said, you know, you, that point you're then going to look at. Oh, electric vehicles. Oh, so if I turn i said then there's no such thing as fully qualified no i i, didn't, you know I, I, I never saw that
0: say, video by the way but it's good yeah. to think the same <laughs> i i i have to say to honest with you i think it's one of them videos that well i've watched it but i think at the time my brain wasn't as fatigued as it is now probably but no you're absolutely bang on right there is no such thing as fully qualified and that that, op- that opens the interesting debate of will we ever be fully qualified no but Will we be aware of our own competency and our own limits? For me, I've always said the most important part of competency is the ability to say, no, I can't do that. I've been heavily criticised for it. But if you turn around at me and said, "Um, Paul, go to to that railway. There's eight HV transformers. They all need synchronising. Go and sort out the protection calcs and all the synchronisation on it. And I'm going to turn around and go, 'I, I, I know, but no, I can't because... I haven't worked on a HV transformer since two thousand and nine. Mm. I'm not competent on it anymore. I'm just yeah. not doing it. Do mm. and I, mean, I agree. I don't that's... think there's such thing as qualified. I think there is. Uh... Remember, the
1: Literacy Work Regulation sixteen does say you know knowledge, skills, experience relative to the nature of the work to prevent danger. And your work can change one day to the next. Yeah. Your client can demand something of you one day to the next. The environment can change one day to the next the wiring system can change one day to the next technologies can enhance and develop you know you might one day find yourself working with thermal imaging and then have to do arc flash studies you might one day find yourself working with electric vehicles or DC storing DC you know um we know always talking. yeah we always have to identify what measures are needed to develop knowledge and skills to
0: prevent danger for the work we want to do um, I, I think you're bang on right. I think with the way technology is going now, um, it's inevitable that if you want to work, especially in the domestic sector, you are gonna to have to be consistent in upskilling yourself. We we all know, because I think we're all reasonably clued up blokes, that the general populace of electricians have got a massive uphill battle. And I don't think any of the industry bodies know But then again, I also think they do because if you go to the NIC Lives, the NAPIT Live events, some of the questions that are asked there, I have stood there and been mortified by some of the questions. And even the presenters, you can see them like, What? What What do you mean? What do you mean that threaded thing that goes on the end of a bit of a conduit? It's called a coupler. Oh, is it? Oh, I didn't know that. But you're wearing our logos all over you. You
2: Yeah. but again, Paul, if if, if, if you've got, shall we say, a qualification where you've done so many mock practice papers that you've actually passed at 60% via multiple choice. Is it any surprise that you're going to be asking those questions down the line?
0: Well, funny you say that because uh, here's a quick story for you. 16th edition amendment three, when it came out, I was working at EDF energy at the time and there was lots of project managers in the company. There was quite a few, about a hundred odd. And there was one chap who was super intelligent, but he had no electrical knowledge whatsoever. And he was told, can you just go here and sit this course and he basically, he he lived near to me, so he knocked on my door in the evening and he went, I've just done my 16th edition. I went, what? He said, it was one day course, I passed. I said, what? He said, they gave us a book and they just gave loads of past papers, taught us the structure, because he was a smart chap. He passed it. And then he was walking around the business going, oh, yeah, I'm qualified at 16th edition now, you yeah. know. See, right. What I've never understood about exactly. the
2: addition qualifications is that, again, that's just another example of getting bums on seats. Because I always believed, and correct me if I'm wrong, that when these qualifications um, come round, where we go you know, from one addition to the other, I've always understood them to be updates, as in an update qualification. Yes. So my my question has always been, what's the person updating from? Because I've worked for various companies where I've seen electricians, now they like, Oh yeah, mate. Yeah, you know I've got my 16th edition, or I've got my 17th edition, or got my, you know obviously 18th now. And you think and you're like, oh, okay, well, that's really good. Well, where else have you got? What would you mean? Well, that's it. So you, you've done your so you've done your yeah. edition update. You've got that qualification. It's just and by default that makes you. Yeah. That you're thinking that you're a fully qualified... again. Go back to the fully qualified electrician thing. Um, but I find it yeah. frustrating that sometimes these college. Well, not just college course providers, but any training provider, it seems to be a case of as long as you've got some experience of electrical um, industry type work, you can do this course. And the problem with that is you then get a whole bunch of people updating something they they haven't actually got. It's like taking your HGV test, but you've not even got your driving license. You can't update something that you haven't got. And I, I, I'm i just wondering if that's just another example of conflict of interests, where surely update qualifications, it should be proving that you're updating something that you've already got. As in your part one, your part two, going back to what I was saying about Do you know doing the best
0: courses. It's a sensible view. It's a sensible it's... opinion. God, that's just sensible.
1: There should be an alternative right.
0: version I'm of the agree. 18th edition that
1: actually develops the application of the regulations, and it can be referred to how it works across the skill sets of trained electricians, because the problem with the 18th edition is it is actually not mapped for electricians. I'm reading this here. This qualification is primarily aimed at practicing electricians with relevant experience and other allied professionals, such as surveyors, consultants, and other trades needing to update or enhance their understanding of the IET one regulations. It's also suitable for anyone wishing to demonstrate an understanding of the regs uh, so yeah. you could you could make furniture for a living and want to put some electrics in it like making some i know i actually trained someone they, they turned mannequins into decorative lighting and that they were told by weird. the nicic to go and do an 18th edition course
0: Dave, yeah. yeah, that sounds like a challenge for you to develop um i think once we've got <laughs> amendment one parked Yeah, Uh, maybe we kind of know where Amendment Two is because you know the minute Amendment One. But you know, you know what
1: this means. You know the way the way that's written. It means, come one, come all, come and learn. And we don't do RPL. Remember, I mentioned that to you, Paul, before. Recognise prior learning. We don't need to because anyone can do this course. My brother, my brother, who's developing Spark and Ninja right now, he did the seventeenth edition course because he was in Ascot one day and he had nothing else to do. he 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 was in the room. He was listening. And he said, "I've actually doing that. Rolled him on the exam, and he passed."
0: Yeah, but yeah. in fairness, he's in—he's a what? He's—he's so he's knowledge. In, he's, in he's, he's, never, he's in never the genetics. Twisted, man. He's
1: never—he's never twisted wires before. Uh, wow! And, and that's again. Well, um, hopefully, he never will. The—the the, the, it's just again. The regulations are used as a way to refresh income, refresh revenue, update testers, update books, update literature, get more people in to do this course. Who cares if they're electricians or not? uh exactly it's exactly exactly why i put the training course out there for free because electricians we're all going to have to jump onto that machine of revenue
0: and i still for one think you should get a knighthood for putting that training course online for free to be perfectly frank but then again nobody ever listens to me apart from the people listening to this um chaps we have gone on and it's um in fact this podcast has been recorded over two days now um, we've okay. been talking for so long. Um, we could do and we could do we could go on forever because we haven't even talked about the race to the bottom. Um, there's lots more snagging quality of work. Uh, there's so much more we could talk about, but I think we should just part this because it we've all got jobs to do in the morning. Um, final thoughts, chaps. Lee, the stage is yours. Anything you could summarize or give advice or last? Morning.
2: Um, no, I'm not, you know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just like everyone else just trying to do the, you know, the best job he can. Um, I'm just kind of thinking at the moment that, you know, these podcasts and all of the stuff that we do online, that everybody, you know, does online in terms of, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn and the stuff that Dave does on Facebook and everything else. I just think that um, it's nice to see. People helping each other um, because I think that actually, across the industry, and again, I'm only speaking for myself, I can actually see electricians and, and, all, and also manufacturers helping as well, actually, to a certain degree. I can see that electricians are kind of helping each other more than the industry is helping electricians, which I find sounds inspiring. Um, so it is inspiring, and I think that hopefully. I I'm I'm just hopeful that a lot of the effort that a lot of people are going to um actually comes to something and I, I guess again, without sounding cheesy and without wishing my life away, I'm hoping that we can at least try to leave our industry in a better place than how we found it.
0: And I think that's the goal. That's I've always said that. that the one thing is is when I when I walk away from this industry I want to be able to say I did everything I could with everything I had and um i sowed the seeds for a long-term improvement because this industry has been has been damaged for a number of decades and you cannot fix everything with clicking your heels three times or clicking your fingers and saying there we go it's all done because i've put a new badge or a new brand over it and i've papered over the cracks um dave final thoughts i definitely think we need to do enough on with lee at some point i think
1: yeah i think um I mean, yeah, thanks to Lee for coming and hosting this one with us um, and the others. But I've known known Lee to produce his opinion, as he's just said, you know, I'm just me. It's just my opinion. And everyone has an opinion. And Lee has shown, just like we have over a, a number of years now, that we don't always have to moan. We can just question the way things are. And we can offer opinions and we can offer suggestions. We don't have to always just try to see the negatives. We can try to raise the positives. And electricians are starting to help each other now. Yeah, E5 so. is E5's trying to do its part. We're trying to, again, inspire. We're trying to inform. We're trying to influence without calling ourselves influencers. Uh yeah. We're trying to do all of this thing. Uh We don't know where things will go. We don't know where things will go. But like Lee said, we just want the industry to hopefully be in a better situation when we come to mm-hmm. our end of our time in it, really. Because right mm-hmm. now right now there is definitely there's definitely a change in momentum or a change in culture and behaviors I think along most of the electricians that I come across online and come across in person even um, we are seeing a lot of the um, a lot of the industry's you know voluntary bodies engaging hiding then engaging then hiding then engaging a little bit of this a little bit of that We'll see what they're going to do this year. We're getting to we're getting to uh, award season we're getting to exhibit season one of us was uh in Swansea today Have we heard from him has he fi- as he given us some of them?
0: Um, I don't know if they've thrown him off a cliff or <laughs> buried him in the valleys, or I have no idea. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Skirm was at NIC Live in Wales today. Yeah. I've been at the IET Registration and Standards Conference for you're volunteers. Going,
1: yeah, I don't know when we're putting this out, but you're going obviously to Ali Pali next week with John. I'm I going. going to, Me and JW doing, are going there. Yeah. I'm going to do the Sparks Apprentice of the Year competition in Durham on Tuesday. Ooh, um, I'm going to go pop along and see that. So we're, we're trying. We're trying to just. Show right. our faces, Glad. which is actually probably more than we've already said we were going to do this year to be honest
0: yeah we said less is more and it's <laughs> we're failing miserably because we, we we've finally got our, our our engines fueled up and and it's yeah. every single bloody day now because the amount of podcasts that we are going to be recording in the next couple of weeks is going to be i mean the last ones we did end of november didn't we and they took us all the way through christmas and new year because we just didn't want to do anything in December. We wanted to wind off, down slowly yeah. and take two weeks at Christmas where we did just nothing. But yeah. now we're ramping up and we we think the best thing to do is just record as many podcasts as <laughs> we can and then we've got the chance to intervene, shift some around if there's important ones people want to hear.
2: I think these podcasts are really great for getting electricians and various industry people um into if you like the public domain to talk about all these subjects
0: remember we're doing this to share our knowledge and experiences and our thought pieces not to appease the industry regulators if they choose to come on great if they don't we're not going to worry too much okay it would be nice but uh, we've definitely we've definitely held a hand out yeah that's good and we will keep doing it we will keep doing it um because we think we've got half a chance this year i think we'll get one or two of them on i genuinely do think it will take a lot of work um but yeah, I, I think the industry is starting to realize we're here to stay. We're not going anywhere. I mean, I'm not retiring anytime soon. So it's, it's not, we're not going anywhere.
2: Like I, yeah, I mean, I think the vast majority of people that are listening to these podcasts are actually their paying customers, which, again, something I, I referred to earlier about. You know, I, I think it's important <laughs> that, you know, rather than, um, you know, not talking on these platforms, I think it's really important to engage and, you know, communicate in some well, the way trouble is, is there
0: is there is the art that we've had the debate of because you're not a formally registered company blah 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 well no why would i because i have to put a tax return in and i don't make any money off of it what's the bloody point uh and also it, again it's that how do you be different i've i mean i've said e5s of me the amount of people who ask us say i want to join this member and i have to say look we're not a membership we're not a formal membership you can affiliate us and support us by wearing a badge and if you if you besmirch that bad i'll find you i will hunt you And I will rip that badge from your, um, because I paid for the damn thing, including the postage. And I don't want money from anybody for it. I want them to try and share their knowledge and experience. It's all I ever asked for. It's nice to be nice. Um, On that bombshell, lads, everyone will be in a coma listening to this now because we've gone way (laughs) over. Um, Gents, I'm going to wind this down now and I'm going to thank you very much, Lee. We will get you on again. I think that's inevitable, and I'm hoping you're going to invest in the microphone and start doing your own ones as well, because um, I'm encouraging that of people who come on and do this. Um, Dave, um, well, you're Dave. You're a legend, as always. I'm here um, still. Hello. Good evening. Thank, thank you very much. Yeah. Gents, <laughs> thank you very much for coming on and doing this once again. Right, thank you, cheers. guys. Bye-bye. And until Bye. the next one, take care of yourself and each other.